0: Longhorn Pod on twitter shoot us an email longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com you can also follow us on facebook where we do live streams following all the games um they've been pretty melancholy as of late but that's okay so i love to see you this saturday after the kansas state game you can find, again that's the longhorn republic on facebook my name is gerald goodrich i'm your host this week like i am every weekend i'm joined by a man who's dusted off his breakup playlist kyle carpenter kyle how are you
1: uh, you know, I'm good, uh, Gerald. Um, until news breaks, uh, you know, I, I'm a loyalist, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm not breaking up with, with with anyone until the the official university has chosen to do so. We might talk a little bit about rumors or things that are going on there, but uh, you know, I am, I am, I am good. I'm recharged from a little Thanksgiving turkey and time off, and. Uh, and even if the football wasn't brilliant, the, uh, you know, the the time with family, even a small family gathering and just the time to reflect and think on things, even in the middle of craziness, that we do have to be thankful for, right? It's easy to be down and look at all the negatives and all that, but uh, there are some things that come out of crisis and tough times and challenges that reveal some things about what's actually there. So um, trying to be a glass half full guy. I, we'll talk about this more in just
0: a little bit, but I've been I've just been listening to I fall apart on repeat as I see players <laughs> decide not to play at the University of Texas anymore. Uh, so we'll talk some Iowa State. We'll talk about the fallout from that. The basketball teams have been off to a hot start, so we'll catch up there. We'll down the forty, we'll bang the drum, and then at the end of the show, we're going to announce who the winner of our drawing for a free signed copy of Sam Acho's book. You'll hear that basically right before the slap and outro music we have.
1: Gerald, is that like if you're at a uh, you know a booster club raffle? And you're not there. You can't claim it. D- do people have to be listening to the podcast to claim it? They better. They better stay to the end to hear who wins because it's a pretty, pretty dang cool, uh, pretty dang cool raffle prize.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. To, excited to give it away. I'm normally. <laughs> I'm normally not a gifts person. That's my wife's love language, which causes attention, But it's fine. It's all. It's all good in the hood. <laughs> so, uh, as we alluded to already, Texas uh, had every opportunity to win the game. But once again, as it has been many times over the last several years, snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, right. falling late to Iowa. Iowa State didn't lead in that game until they took and scored the go-ahead touchdown. Hmm. Uh, Texas was unable to come back. Iowa State drove 69 yards to score that touchdown. Texas couldn't cap off a kind of crappy uh Fourth quarter scoring drive. Uh, Cameron Dicker's kick went slightly wide left. May have been good from a couple of yards ahead. Not going nah. to say that too loud. Um, but Texas is now officially eliminated from the Big Twelve championship race with that loss. But Kyle, uh, let's talk about the game first before we before we dive into the, kind of the fallout from it. And really, like once again, I think the the what's becoming the trend and the theme with this Texas team is. The defense plays well enough to win and the offense can't respond, can't answer, can't reward it. The defense came up with two stops in the late game that would basically have allowed Texas to bleed the clock, right? If they can put together a three or four minute drive, that basically ends the game. And the defense did it twice and the offense was unable to uh, create, I can't say a sustained drive because one of them was longer than, than three plays, but like. The offense could not put together a long enough drive to keep Iowa State from getting back in it, and that that was that's been the theme. Is is the defense will, will play well, the defense will play up to the moment, and the offense just does not have it in them.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Texas Stevens had a had a good day. I think again, we've talked a lot this season about how uh, probably. Is re quantifying how, how folks who've watched football for a long time measure what a good day is for a defense in, in modern offense and in the Big 12. Um, they had to, you know, defend Iowa State's basketball team with all their six, 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 seven tight ends. Um, and even though they, you know, they gave up some yards there, they ultimately, like we talked about all year, that the successful formula has been don't break, right? They gave up only one red zone touchdown the entire game. And it was, I mean, if I'm being honest, it looked like they kind of made the made the strategy call uh, with a minute 25 left to say, let them score. You have a better chance of uh, letting them score and, and going with your offense at that point, once they let him get down there. Um, but I mean, they they held strong in the red zone all game. They, they forced field goals. Um, you know, I, the, the defense was, was good. I mean, so room for improvement of course that's, that's when, if Texas walks out and, and, you know, a couple of those late drives you're talking about on offense go differently. We're saying this is one of those games that I think you and I both like where you win, but the coaches still have some things to say, obviously offense would, would have some things to say, but defense as well. Um, but I I do think the defense played well. I, I think, you know, what you've seen now is no longer a fluke. It's an identity. And it's that the defense, you know, can, can take away very talented running backs. Uh, they can, um, you know, bend don't break with the best of them in the country, um, and, and you know, a lot of weeks they're they're getting the ball back, uh, whether it's turnover, or forcing punt, and giving good field position, which is the other thing, you know, that that you you look at in in keys to victory. Um, so I, you know. It, it sounds like we're singing the same old song and and you know that that may influence some of the the future conversations that we have on this podcast and even in this Perry podcast when we talk about the fallout from this game.
0: It feels like such a rinse and repeat like I really I'm really tired of saying it. And the defense wasn't perfect. The defense um, and I talked about it in the inside the numbers segment, you know, to like the scoring drive that Iowa state had to kind of give themselves some life early in the game. The defense struggled. They were out of position. Two big penalties gave them two first downs Mm -hmm. and the touchdown came right after a five yard chintsey first down that they gave Iowa state. And so like if Texas can come up with a stop there and the offense is moving in the first quarter. So like if Texas can come up with a stop there, they go up 17, nothing instead of, or maybe even 13, nothing and probably, but 13, 17, nothing instead of, um, You know, having a a field goal game, that basically is what it felt like all day. It felt like it was basically tied going into the fourth quarter. Uh, So, like, that, the defense wasn't perfect, but when you look at what the defense was able to do, first time this year, Brees Hall has not hit 100 yards. Right. Just the third time this year that Brees Hall has only gone with one rushing touchdown, the other two were losses. Like... The defense did when we talked about it last week, we said if Texas can hold Brees Hall in check and we didn't even say stop him and, and for a guy who's averaging 140 a game coming into this, that's a stop. That's a half yep. a field you took away from him. And so the the defense stopped Iowa State's biggest offensive threat, their most consistent offensive threat. But again, on that final drive, it looked too easy. And so that's like it, it's I don't Texas should not have been in that position. Regardless, like if the offense doesn't go on a basically two full quarter scoring drought, then they can likely, um, you know, that's not the situation. And the defense, this is not on the defense, this is on the offense. And it's sad that, you know, Sam Ellinger played a solid game. Uh, You know, he held on the ball too long at some times. And I think that was the offense. Could not get out of its own way. It's the only way I can say it.
1: Yeah, look, you know what we've been saying all year is that we hoped that there would have been more improvement from their most senior receiver and that Brennan Ingalls would have done a, you know, had to step up in the offseason and, and looked like Sam Ellinger's roommate and the, again, the, the eldest statesman um, on the. Um, on the receiving core, and he had his best game of the season, I think. I think uh, Eagles 5 catches 142 yards and not just, you know, Eagles beat someone with this speed deep and is wide open and, and secures the ball. He made um, some, you know, crucial uh, catches to move the chains, uh, work to the – the sideline, you know, on some some out routes that Ellinger put, you know, pretty good throws on the money. I thought um, the way he tracked on some deep balls, like I just thought this was Eagles' best game. This is what we thought we were getting with Brennan Eagles. And that's good. That's good development for the the rest of this year, of course, but also, you know, next season. Um, whoever's obviously throwing the football to him. Um, but, you know, I, I think um, outside of that and outside the first half from Bijan Robinson, I don't know what I'm excited about watching the offense um in that game or what to take away from it because i I think they showed i liked what they showed early i think they they schemed some things they um haven't had a ton of success with an outside zone scheme and i was texting friend of the podcast coach zaycheck during the game who himself he's uh we're recording this on monday night i believe he's playing a crucial high school football game on a monday night COVID is weird um but he was saying that you know he considers himself very much an outside run specialist with his offenses. Um and it he couldn't believe how well Texas had installed that um they weren't good before the weeks off with that, you know, with that um action. And and they they ran it well in the first half. And okay, so give I I would take credit for countering, but it felt like, you know, between that scheme and the we talked about it on the live stream, how much we both loved the Sam Ellinger, you know, kind of what they did uh you could jokingly call it the uh, the QB Eagles QB Wright um, from the old Tech Mobile looked like the Randall Cunningham uh, play where they uh, schemed in to get him just a quarterback sweep to the edge for Elliger's touchdown. Those were you know those were great and that was all early on in the game. But it did feel like they they didn't weren't able to adjust to um, the Iowa State adjustments uh, that took some things away. And they also it felt like just kind of gave up even trying to run the ball with with Bijan Robinson. I think he had uh, four carries total in the second half um that to me that's that's a coaching issue that's that's you know you're going away from what worked um i don't can't really put that on on bijan himself uh but, you know, and, and I, I the line, whether they moved back and regressed throughout the game or whatever, I, I I still don't understand quite why you do that, especially when Roshan Johnson, the few touches he got looked good. It looked like our running backs were hungry and had a chance. Um, but, again, that's nothing new. That 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 similar to what we said with the defense is a bit Groundhog's Day that you and I are sitting on this podcast talking about that.
0: Yeah, Roshan was averaging six and a half per touch, which I don't, I'm, I'm not a math guy, but that's a pretty good – uh pretty good average. Now granted that's only on four carries, so like that's you need a bigger sample size to really figure out. But for me, the the story of the game hinges on Texas's weird decision making when it came to like when to when to be risky and when to Mm. be conservative, right? Where early in the game people are screaming for them to go for it and they kick a field goal and I didn't actually hate that decision right it's a it's a messy game it's weather it's going to be a tight one you know it take the points right a lot of people want him to go for it that's fine if that's your opinion that's completely fine because well later in the game when a lot of people think Tom Herman should have kicked the field goal he went for it on fourth and fourth and short and couldn't get it and that really was when Iowa State came back and scored right like that was that was the differentiator in the game and so when you think about play calling there everybody in their grandma knows it's going to be going to be QB power up the middle everybody in their grandma knows it's going to be QB power you want to put the hands the ball in the hands of Sam Ellinger at that point but with the way your offensive line had been playing in that fourth quarter the fact that there's not a, a way for him to check out of it the way that there's not a there's not another option right Heck, run a jump pass, right? Hit the T. They've done that. We know that's in the playbook. Like, there's yeah. got to be another wrinkle that you can add to that, because again, Iowa State had been had been winning at the point of attack for the entire right. quarter, and so you want it to be in Sam's hands, but you want to give Sam an option, a legitimate way to to convert that, because. QB power up the middle is not getting it done and hadn't gotten it done all day. They'd found success, like you said, running QB sweep, running that that outside zone with the quarterback, right? Like that's where they'd really been successful. Iowa State had beaten them in the middle. So that, that to me – is really where the frustration comes in from a play-calling standpoint.
1: Yeah, and that was the con- the second consecutive run. They tried on third and three with Sam. He-, he took for one as well. But, they, I mean, they don't really run that traditional, like, straight-up zone read. They ran on that play either, and it just makes it a bit more slow development, I guess, in that sense they're giving more options and maybe more looks. I just, again, from a fourth and one... Uh, It's got to be something like 70% of going under center and quarterback sneak. I know that's not the team identity, but um, it just feels like sometimes, you know, there's an over-calculation and over-thinking. And again, what we could talk about that as a theme um, on the state of the program and kind of where they are, that seems to be a trend. Um, You know, again, it's not any one of these calls we're talking about, any one of these plays. it's, It's not any one it's more the kind of overarching like it, you know there was a point when i think we said okay if they could score here it's like 27 to, to 10 and or you know at least 23 to, to 16 whatever it was we said oh if they score here the game's over right like you go down you get a drive Boom, they can't do it. Okay, they just need a first down here. They can milk the clock. Oh, they couldn't do that. Just felt like those times when you needed to go out and you needed to execute and it was senior night and you needed your senior players to play, they weren't able to do it. So, I, you know, it's unfortunate. There wasn't a heavy turnover game, the one turnover coming on a, a tough play. I'm not going to get super upset at, at Tariq Black on, you know, uh, a helmet hitting right as you, you know, take your first football move to, to be a bang-bang play for a fumble. It's tough. Killed the to drive. But the defense, you know, three and out afterwards. So, um, but – <sighs> I do wonder, and we talked about it a little bit, of the rotations of the, the receivers on the field during that play where Schooler, Tariq Black, and Kai Money, and, and you wonder, not necessarily if someone makes a better play, but if someone else is even open, uh, if you have your, your ones out on the field. Um, it just it, All season, there's been interesting rotations with the running backs, with the receivers, with who's getting the ball, um, and, and it felt like with a healthy receiver room for the first time this season with Smith, Whittington, Eagles, Moore, Wiley, all available, I think you and I expected maybe that you were going to just see more of get your best athletes your best players and just go go play. And 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 that's kind of the disappointing thing when I think about the offense is everyone's crying out for that. And, and it, it, again, I think comes down to overanalyzing and overthinking it.
0: That's the story of the game. Speaking of overanalyzing and overthinking, Podstradamus is statistically over for the year. Kyle hit on his, I missed on both of mine. So it's like a million to, to negative million at this point. It's Totally fine. Uh, his prediction, Brees Hall, less than 115 and one score. Mine was two forced turnovers and Bijan with two touchdowns. The coaching staff completely abandoned me on that second one, which I'm going to go ahead and blame the offensive coordinator. Cause that's the popular thing to do constantly. But there's, there's some fallout other than me basically losing the will to live in positive Thomas <laughs> land. Uh, but there's some fallout from this loss. So, um, you know, Tom Herman said it that, you know, this year they've come up short on a four-overtime game, a three-point game, and a two-point game, um, which that is an evergreen ever statement from the last several seasons under Tom Herman. But uh, we saw on Sunday and then again on Monday two captains, Two uh, upperclassmen captains have chosen to opt out for the remainder of the season, and will be preparing for the NFL draft. Sam Cosby was the first domino to fall on Saturday or on Sunday, where he kind of tweeted out a statement that you know this is it's it's the right time. Uh, Caden Stearns basically Monday evening said the same thing. Uh, both are going to take their time and prep for the NFL draft, heal up from some injuries and those types of things. And this is not unexpected I think Kyle as, as mm. you look at when the big the the team stated that their goal was to win a conference championship when that is off the table and you have an early out in a sport like football you know it, it might it, it's a business right college football is a business and, and football is a business and you're I'm just going to say it you're one bad hit away from losing out on potent millions of potential dollars so uh, guys are opting out and I don't, I don't think we've seen the last of this
1: yeah, I was gonna say that we were recording this on Monday night. There is a chance that this week or even further weeks that you, you could see additional ones. You, you started to see this in general, right, pre-COVID for bowl games when you had players who'd kind of completed their season. If they weren't up for a championship in their conference or a you know a super elite as they felt their season warranted bowl game, you saw some players opting out again, making the business decision. I feel like that's a trend of the past three, four seasons, but you know, COVID obviously has thrown a wrench in all of that you've seen many many players opt out for this entire season it's always interesting i think the draft is going to be fascinating next year because um draft grades probably are going to be all over the place because how much stock do you put in covid uh season how much stock do you put on players not having played at all this year for in in, in some cases and and there's probably players you thought you'd want additional tape um that are just choosing to say you know what i'm i'm going to roll the dice and try to go pro um, at this point um, the, the one thing in will say for Cosme, uh, is he's been on campus four years he finished his degree um, he Herman mentioned is came in as an unheralded three-star recruit and is leaving as a potential first-round draft pick so that's that's the texas story that's what you want to hear is guys like that um you know let's develop five stars in the first round draft picks as well but um you know uh it, it it does speak well and i understand why he's doing it um Stearns, i'll be curious to hear what his draft geared looks like a player who um again gerald and i are close to our hearts representing the shirts cibolo universal city s-u-c-i-s-d um Uh, You know, we we say that because they created a new high school out of our high school um, when when we were leaving. But um, basically, grew up streets away from Gerald and I, uh, Mr. Stearns, and so we've been following him since before we got to the 40 Acres. We're excited when he got here, how dominant he was in high school, how dominant he looked uh, his freshman year, and it seemed like injuries. He never was able to quite replicate um, that level of success consistently, um, but, you know, the talent has never n- not been there, right? Like he could he could easily step in if he's healthy, gets it all figured out, and, and be, you know, the next in a line of, of great NFL uh, Longhorn safety, so... Uh, you know, I, I can't fault either of them, and and you know we know at least one more guy who's got really high uh, draft grades who who hasn't opted out as of again Monday night recording, um, and and there may be additional ones. There may be players who maybe don't get that high of a draft grade but want to test the waters and see what happens anyways because again the Big Twelve Championship isn't on the table, and, and and that's okay. I think the the stance of both uh, hosts of this podcast is. Do what's right for you, son. Uh, it's a business decision. You know, Kevin Durant played one season of basketball at UT and is a Longhorn legend. His jersey hangs in the rafters because he knew it would be silly to play anymore when he had millions and millions. And he's actually invested well to the point where it's probably close to billions uh, of dollars waiting for him on the other side. Like, no one is upset at Kevin Durant for doing that. Like, why are you upset at a, a player potentially missing the last two games of the season? I understand it. Um but the players that are there have to go out and play and, and try to win games in, in spite of that.
0: And we'll talk about that more on Thursday. There were talks early in the season that Tom Herman's seat was a little warm. A couple of early wins maybe cooled it off a little bit. But then as things uh, started to heat up uh, in the season and the pressure built, uh, the pressure underneath Tom Herman increased as well. The state of gold the season was a Big 12 championship, and that is no longer on the table. So... He was asked about it in his Monday press conference. Didn't really have a comment, just said he's here to talk about Kansas State. We're just here to talk about Iowa State. We don't really have much to say on it, and so we will be with you when and if news breaks, we'll all be here to talk about it. But until then, let's move on. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. It wasn't all bad on the forty this weekend, Kyle. Um, the basketball teams coming out the gates hot, so we'll start with men's. The men's basketball team absolutely dominated UT Rio Grande Valley. It, it looked competitive for all about a, a commercial break, and then it, it kind of they pulled away. Uh, so there's not a ton to talk about there, other than like Texas just looked good. Uh, Greg Brown was the Sports Center top play of the day just absolutely putting a guy on a poster, which was absolutely incredible. Uh, but the big story was, was Texas, uh, kicked off the Maui Asheville invitational, uh, on, on Monday against Davidson. And, and after building a seven point lead, Davidson kind of clawed back in the thing. Um, uh, Courtney Ramey missed a go ahead three, uh, with about 36 left on the clock. Texas came up with the offensive rebound and he responded with a clutch layup. Um, There was a there's a lot to take away, but the basketball team, you know, there was there was like oh this was a typical Texas performance where they were okay and kind of had to gut it out late. And I'm gonna be honest with you, like I don't get that perspective because one I think Davidson is a pretty solid team. They're gonna be a tournament team this year, I would bet. And this this is a typical Texas basketball performance, except they won this game. Like most of these games go the other way, uh, not most of these games, but they they have a tendency for these games to go sideways and come out on the losing side of those. So that that to me was what made it an atypical Texas basketball performance.
1: Sure, and I mean, look, right, like Texas has some lofty expectations this year, but um, you know, look at Ken Palm's top ten teams, which Texas finds itself in, right? That expectations are high. Texas Tech. They lost today. Uh, Kansas, they lost to a very good team, but they, they they've lost already. Villanova, who a lot of people had as a final four and potential, you know, championship caliber team they've lost already virginia lost um you know so it, it's uh kentucky lost right kentucky the powerhouse uh historically one of the like three or four powerhouses of college basketball um sits at one and one right so uh a good arizona state team lost. there's there's been um there's been some losses already and texas is not one of those so let's let's pause take a second you know be grateful for that be thankful for that uh i think you're right that david's like all right so, UT Rio Grande is a very not great team. Texas beat them by 40 points. There were some frustrating times of like, just put your foot on the throat and win it by 70 because they had the talent advantage to do that and i think they they finished it off strong in davidson again you you would have liked for them to pull ahead because they were the more talented and better team but like you said davidson is a bubble tournament team who probably by the end of the year i think they're returning two starters uh who did not play last year so they're better than they even probably look on on paper um from injury so they are you know kind of projected as a bubble team but they're probably gonna gonna finish a little higher than that i would imagine if they can do well in that uh, a10 conference um but yeah i mean it you would have liked to see Texas pull ahead a little better, but at the end of the game, uh, we were both watching it. Uh, you know, you get a little nervous in, in Texas football. We talked about close games. Shock has had a lot of close games, and like you said, a typical Texas team when it gets that close, and all of a sudden one thing doesn't go your way. You perfect look, wide open three that you scheme. It goes in all the way 90% into the net and pops back out. That's your loss. Then they go down to the other end, score, and you lose. That didn't happen, like you said. And so there is something to be said for that. Davidson is probably better than, than we give them credit for. But you will hope to see, as Texas plays an Indiana team that looks to, to overachieve uh, next, you, you hope to see Texas take that step up because they're playing a young team with talent, but they should be the experienced team with talent. So you hope the reason that Texas is projected so high is that experience plays out. And I do think um, you saw basically a game flip over in this one where Davidson started out strong scored relatively at will on the Texas defense uh, Coleman you know had some turnover issues and Coleman really turned his game around right he didn't get into foul trouble which that's a large caveat over this game on both teams the rest were just calling everything right good for Texas with depth but it's it's hard to get in that rhythm um, but Coleman turned it around led the team in assists almost had a double double with nine assists um, and I think sl- Got in charge and in control of the game as as it as it wore on, and that you know is key. Um, in addition, that the defense, even though it never was as good as I would have liked it to be, um, they improved from where they were in the beginning of the game. So I think those are some takeaways of just kind of resiliency is what you hope to see from a senior team. Again, you would have liked to see them put the foot on the gas and pull away, which they never did, but um, they showed some heart and they showed some toughness. and And the key feature is they remain undefeated in the Shaka Hera. I'm calling it the hair era, the Hera.
0: So we've coined Hera and we've coined Lobston, Texas. So those are those are the two things that are that are Longhorn Republic exclusives. But the Courtney and Ramey miss and the Courtney and Ramey go ahead layup are like mm. the differentiators for me. Like that that three pointer feels like the shot they settle for, and it they don't rebound long, and it goes the other way, right? And Texas was at its best today, Monday, when we we're recording, when when they attacked the basket. And that's what, that's what won the game, was, was Courtney Ramey being aggressive and attacking the basket. You know, that, that, was, that was the differentiator for Texas. And so we'll see if they can keep that up. They'll play Indiana Tuesday at 1230, and then they'll either play in the third place or championship game on Wednesday. And we'll have more of that for you on Thursday.
1: Can I just real quick before we move to women, Gerald? We talked about it in our preview, two of our biggest keys to changing this season were the guards attacking, the guards getting to the rim and drawing fouls. So far through the games, Ramey's been our leading scorer. He's done that both times. We have Kai Jones, who's 10 for 10 on the season. He just gets balls around the rim and is cleaning up. You know Jericho Sims can do that. We're throwing alley-oops. Greg Brown is you know still working on his outside game, but constantly attacking the basket. All the things that you and I talked about in our season preview as keys for success – It's only two games. It's a small sample size. Teams will adjust to it, of course. No run more zone like you saw, but all of those things we talked about, Texas is doing those. They know how they can get better, but they're doing those, and that's a step in the right direction in a huge way for me, and I'm excited to see more.
0: I'm excited to see more of that. I'm also excited to see more of this women's basketball team, Kyle, who have been absolutely flat-out dominant. Yes. In the two opening games of the Vic Schaefer era, a 90 to 51 win over SMU and then they dropped a 100 burger on North Texas, 106 to 69 on Sunday. Nice. And the the defense has been really impressive. For Texas, and I think you know it's 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 easy, to, and we should look at Charlie Collier's absolutely ridiculous start: 69 points and 28 boards in two games while shooting like 73%. She was the Big 12 Player of the Week. Um, she had the high, the fourth highest scoring game in program history. With again, I think she played like what 19 minutes in that. In that um, SMU game or something like ridiculously low number, um, yep. and so she's she's just been absolutely cleaning up. Celeste Taylor, thirty-eight points and twelve steals, got a four-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio in the first two games. It's it's been an impressive. Like the offense has been there, but I really think the offense is there because of the em- embracing of Vic Schaefer's scheme and defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you you take the number one or number two, depending which site you look at, recruit in her class in, I think, 2018, um, in Charlie Collier, right? You, you you take that player, and you take the 2017 and 2019 NCAA Coach of the Year in Vic Schaefer, and you have something magical. And, and, and hey, Charlie Collier, we talked about uh, she scored a lot of points. She's grabbed a ton of rebounds. She's blocked shots. She's done a lot. Um, but Schaefer's press um, defense is, is going to be – it's going to give people problems. And it, it obviously did for all of his years at Mississippi state. He coaches it well, their discipline, their energy, they're, they're well conditioned to be ready to run that the entire game, all four quarters. Um, it, it's, it's, um, it's going to cause people some problems they're, they're, they're leading the league in or the country and, and turnover so far. Celeste Taylor looks like she is just made for this. She just keeps ripping steals uh, from people. I mean, teams again, same as with the men's. They're going to get more tape on it. When you play the really good Big 12 teams, you know, I think Baylor's going to be ready for that, and they're going to have an answer, um, and they have the, the skill players to do that. Um, but, you know, poor Travis Mays, a guy we love with SMU, uh, his team just 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 didn't know what to do. It, it absolutely just shook them uh, to their core. And that, again, with, with Charlie Collier getting in foul trouble, she didn't play much in the first half at all. Um, and, and Texas, you know, still just out-athlete and out-executed and did all the things right um i, I mean I, I think when we said there's a dynasty coming and coach schaefer um w- we were thinking further down the line but it looks like this team who you know wasn't in the top 25 just because you know who knows about the adjustment period the covid the everything with a new coach um it looks like they are they are heading you know heading there quickly and you know we had um the the writer who, who followed coach Schaefer Mississippi State on the podcast you should listen to that uh if you didn't and he said you know this is as good of a team what he has right now not even with that top recruiting class coming in next year with those best Juco players in the country coming in right now with this team even before Lauren Ebo is playing and Kyra Lambert is playing and the, you know the, the, they're playing this season but um even before that This is probably as good as any team he had at Mississippi State. And that's coming from someone who covered those teams week in, week out. So that's a good... Sign right when you have a coach that good and his talent is this loaded like that's how you build dynasties and so it's exciting. I'm um, I'm I'm thrilled to be watching. I think their women's basketball is going to be must see TV, especially when they play some of the the bigger opponents in the conference and on their calendar. Um, there will be you know final four previews that that come during this season and and uh, certainly tournament previews. So it, a lot of good basketball lays ahead for the women's basketball team as well.
0: I'm excited because. <laughs> They've got A&M coming up on Sunday, which is a top 25 matchup. And I want to see – like, they did what you're supposed to do against SMU and North Texas. You dominate, right? And they'll probably do the same thing against Louisiana Tech on Wednesday. And so, like, the the true test is going to be actually facing a team that should have – and I won't call it equal talent because I think you you hit the nail on the head. The talent on this team is really high. So a team that has – relatively comparable talent like what do they do against them are they still winning by 40 points or or is it more manageable and that's that's the question because we really haven't seen this team pressed at all
1: and that that's a great way to put it they have pressed they haven't been pressed um but you know don't forget right coach Schaefer comes from Mississippi State but Vic Schaefer cut his teeth as the assistant coach and the the, the bright mind on those Texas A and M women's teams or the that won a national championship, basically, you know, he earned a head coaching job on how much he did on that team and the impact he had. Um so, you know, he feels a a a certain uh kinship obviously there um so this will be a real test not only of the team but of making sure those fingers stay stay uh, upright and the the hook them you know he he knows who he's coaching now A M is now his his uh his hated and sworn enemy so i hope he does go and just put the foot on the neck and beat him by at least 20 um but a and m i think is like the number 14 team they are good they're they're a, they're a quite a uh, good squad but you know this this feels like a Vic schaefer special
0: End them. Just do it. Embarrass them. If you've got it in you, drop a 60 60 piece on them. So so that moves us to the part of the show where we give some shine to all the other things going on on campus and we down the 40. A couple of quick uh, basketball updates. I know we just talked about basketball, but a couple of quick things. Uh, Former five star recruit Will Baker and Austin Product uh, announced that he's entering the transfer portal. He uh, really hadn't seen the court this year. Um, He kind of had his family's PR person released the statement saying that he'd been thinking about it for a little bit. Um And now it's finally time to make the move. So I'm curious to see where a kid who's like, he was, he was, he was a UT kid. He was an Austin kid. He was early, early commit. Um, that's a five-star big man. It's, I'm interested to see where he ends up.
1: Yeah. I really hope it's, it's like a, um, west coast team go somewhere else don't go to an in-conference team i i I think will baker's still a a really good player he had an absolutely not great um freshman year uh he i don't know if you know he had our highest usage rate on the team last year um and had one of our i think maybe our lowest three-point percentage he just had the green light Shaka knows he had the talent and just said shoot it until it starts going down for you and he it all came together once he had a 20-point game against tcu which again i hope tcu doesn't see that and say we could we could take that kid because i don't i don't want to have to play him and you know i always hate playing tcu in any sport but uh you know i i, I I think he's going to land and he's going to be all right. But I, I think also Texas will be all right. He he didn't play probably because this was already uh, understood. I, I don't think the first game, you know, when he didn't get garbage minutes sent him over the top. I think probably this was already understood and, and you know, the announcement coincided. Maybe he thought he was going to develop more and just the taste for it wasn't there. But um, he's a five-star player. If he gets that, that outside shot down, he could, you know, play for Uh, almost any team in the country, but it is a a testament to, you know, to Royce Ham, to Kai Jones, to the players even behind Jericho Sims, who's, who's locked down that five spot, the other big men, um, not even just Greg Brown, but the other big men who are taking those minutes and getting in the rotation ahead of him, that they're putting in the work and showing the, you know, the consistency that Baker wasn't really able to generate. Um, again, I think Will is going to be great. Um, but, you know, I think Texas basketball, when we talked about the deepest team in the country, uh, they will, they will soldier on.
0: And they will soldier on, and I think they'll be um, – it's tough to see a kid with that level of talent and go, but um – you know, we wish him the best. We hope he, he makes the right decision for him. Uh, another name that you're familiar with if you listen to this podcast uh, and listen through the, the dark times of those sports where we did our Mount Rushmore's uh, Tom Penders has been named to the College Basketball Hall of Fame. He's part of uh, this year's class. Some, some names you probably also heard of, like Len Bias, are a part of that class, but it's, it's good to see uh, him getting his, his due uh, for somebody who contributed to the, the game of college basketball.
1: Yeah and if you remember we talked about the uh the Texas BMW teams with Travis Mays, Lance Blake's and and Joey Wright that you know was electric and just put up 90 something points a year and and really just was the epitome of Southwest Conference basketball shocked teams in the tournament um you know Penders had had a lot to do with that and uh you know did did some good things in his time uh in Texas had some you know Southwest Conference tournament titles had some NCAA you know, tournament success. Uh, I think he had a three regular season Southwest Championship um, Conference titles. So uh, he he did a lot. Um, he 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 made Texas basketball fun. He scored a lot of points. His teams were always known for that. Um, and uh, you know, just a, a true uh, a true part of the Texas uh, basketball story and fabric. And and he he was here a decade and basically um you know laid roots for what rick barnes was able to do and in, in the future uh things that texas basketball we hope will, will continue to build on so the the other piece that i wanted to get in there i put in the notes here was the we had some baseball news and i know i usually handle a lot of the baseball stuff um per dustin mccomas who's you know he's covered um the baseball team for a long time uh Dre Duplantier, who had a great, great year last year, had a uh, had an elbow surgery, uh, UCL repair surgery um, recently, and we'll miss all of this upcoming 2021 season. Um, and per Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball, Cam Williams, uh, I believe, may have also had a similar surgery, but is expected to be back. Uh, Pete Hansen had some, some arm issues, but is expected to be good to go for 21. Um, but basically, I think... Um, Kendall Rogers was saying he sat down with, with coach Pierce today uh, when we're recording this again on Monday. um, And, and he seemed excited for the season, right? The um, there's a lot to like with this team. Um, They, they coach Pierce thinks they're much improved. Ty Madden is as good as advertised. This was a team that was 14 and three in the fall. Um, Besides Duplantier though, they are going to need to look Um, Brendan Dixon who played some, had some strikeout issues last year, um, but seemed to have a lot of upside. He uh, kind of saw maybe not having his rotation, uh, his name at the top of the rotation, saw some competition and is going to be transferring out. Uh, I think Weatherford College is the is the likely landing spot for him, we'll hear, in coming days. But uh, I think with the guys that came in, with the talent they already have competing at those spots, I think they should still, uh, should still be good and I think, again, have every chance to be a, a really good team and build on uh, what was, you know, 14, of 14 and three, a really hot start to last season's, uh, COVID shortened baseball season. But, uh, yeah, just some news. We hadn't talked baseball in a while. I wanted to make sure we got, uh, we got that thrown in there.
0: Sounds good to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping
0: baseball happens this year. I'm hoping baseball happens this year because I really think, um, in spite of all of the, the injuries and the weirdness that's happening, um, I think that the Texas baseball team has a chance to, to really be good. Like I think, um, I really think that coach Pierce has put together a really solid group and a really solid team in spite of the injuries, in spite of the weirdness and transfers. Like I'm really excited to see this team uh, get a full crack at it. But now is the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, big Bertha. And we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle,
1: what are you banging the drum on this week? I jokingly put in the show notes, Cheryl I wanted to mislead you that I was going to talk about um, the potential sniper in the Houston Texans stadium that, that took out poor Chuck Amenahu. Um he, he pulled an LSU uh, that must not have had AC in the locker rooms because he was running off the field fine and then got a foot from running off the sidelines and, and a, a cramp beset his leg and he fell down to give uh, the Texans an a, um, injury timeout uh, <laughs> he laughed about it on the sidelines I think uh Cedric Golden called him out on Twitter and he uh he said, you know, that's putting that that UT 3.0 GPA to use. Um and I, I just love him laughing it off and and it is a non-story for me. But you know what is a story, Gerald? Um I was looking at the Tom Herman era up to this point and just the close games, right? There's been a lot of talk of that. I think Herman said in his presser, um, you know, they, they lost a four overtime game, they lost a three-point game and a two-point game. They're otherwise, you know that close to, to being to being perfect. And, and and I don't know if I'd say perfect, but they're that close to, to winning all their games. Um, if in regulation, so far in a season where the, the fire is hot under Coach Herman's seat, obviously, um, you know, he, he has not left regulations even down by a touchdown with three losses. That's tough. That's a tough season, tough luck. But if you zoom out and you look at it a bit more macro, Tom Herman's coached 48 games at UT, 27 of those have been uh, decided by one score or less. I mean, that, that is, that's, that, to me, that can't be a fluke. Just in, in the the last three years, they've had 22 of those, which is by far um, the the most in the NCAA, um, which I don't know if that's a stat you want to lead the country. And I mean, there's something about never being out of any game, but there's also something, I mean, when you win 12 out of 10 or 12 out of 22 um, in that span, you're not necessarily excellent at it. You're, the numbers, the odds play kind of themselves. There, there is a nature of you can't tempt the gods that many times and expect to never, um, you know, come out unscathed entirely. I, I think, um, I think it's tough, and I, I wonder. that's where the turtle tom and you know some of the monikers have come from and some of the ideas because there's a desire to put the foot on the gas to put the foot on the throat of the opponent and 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 make it comfortable you know just get out and then you just you eliminate the chances and and i don't know i don't know how you you size that up i'm sure tom herman thinks about it all the time i don't know what exactly you change but with his future whether it's you know with Texas football for the foreseeable future or wherever his next spot is in in the future after that I wonder, and that's something I will watch as I watch his career. If he's able to diagnose what causes that, what if it's him, if it's play calling, if it's something coached in the players, um, w- what it is that's causing that? Because I think that is the biggest thing right now keeping Tom Herman from being, you know, that elite tier one of college football coach that I think he he wants to be in. I think we all wanted him and still want him, you know, as he's currently the Texas football coach to be in. I think that is the barrier to entry right now.
0: Yeah. You know, I've talked about it before. And if you don't know, this is my day job. I'm a leadership coach and developer. And I think there's some competency missing when it comes to like, if I was doing like an evaluation of a leader, right? Like I would, I would probably talk to Tom one-on-one about like, do you really trust the people that are around you? Like, do you really trust them? Or do you have to feel like you keep your hands in the pie? Right. And I think that's been the differentiator for Tom. Cause I, I just feel like there's been this lack of handoff there's been this lack of like being able to truly hold people accountable without it being weird and, and awkward because there's a lack of trust there and and you know I think there is a, and unfortunately it was an OU fan that said it on Twitter but like I think part of it is like Tom Herman is so in love with being like the cerebral let me figure out how to beat this team and, and figure out what the that I think part of it was he never really figured out how to be oh we've got a roster full of five stars like, Oh, we, we should just roll downhill on you. Like that is the thing that never clicked. And that to me is, is probably the more inexcusable thing as we look back at, at you know, and, and look at Tom Herman's time at Texas is like, you should just lean on people and they fall with, with, and that's, that, that's, you know, people will listen to this and be like, Oh, that's that Texas entitlement. You know what? Back-to-back number one recruiting classes, you bet your hind parts that there's a little bit of that. Like You should be able to lean on people and they fall over based on just the talent that you have and the advantages that you have of being Texas. So I'm banging the drum this week on players opting out. And I'm just going to keep it simple. I, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm not going to rant like I usually do uh, on these things. If you are coming to our feed, if you're coming to our Twitter, if you're coming to our, our podcast, you are never going to hear us say anything other than go get paid. You are never going to hear us say anything other than go get paid. Like, there are questions like, you know what, Caden Stearns may need some more film, and that's okay, but you know what, it's his choice, and you are one injury away from never getting paid. So go get paid. If it's my kid, I'm telling my kid, go get paid, and then come back and finish your degree in the off season. Like it's College football is a business. It is what it is. And, and Sam Cosme and, and Caden Stearns basically signed a three-year contract with a fourth-year option. <laughs> and there now was a stipulation added to their contract because of a pandemic that allowed them to basically end their career early. And so again, it's a business decision and I will never fault anybody for making the best business decision for them. This is a way to create generational wealth for your family. Like do it, make that decision because you know what, as a guy who who was never that athletically gifted, it's easy for, for me to say I would have made a different choice because I've never faced with that choice to make. And so like, again, you are football is the most violent sport that's not built around punching each other right like if it's not a combat sport football is probably the most violent of them and so you are especially on the offensive line you are one you're one defensive lineman rolling under your knee away from never playing football again and so protect yourself protect your body go get paid represent the university of texas like sam is done with his degree caden stern will likely be done with his degree as well i believe um because if you don't know about this caden is actually also a pretty smart guy so like <laughs> he's very likely on a graduation path um at, at very at the very least he won't impact texas's academic progress rate the apr that we all want to pay attention to uh, because he's he's on track to graduate and so again cosme rock that t-ring in your post-game press conferences because we'll look forward to watching you on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays and apparently this week even a Wednesday.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Gerald and I couldn't be more aligned on this. It's it's um, do what's best for you always, right? It's, it's – uh, we – like talking about longhorns in the nfl we like having lots of longhorns to talk about if you have a chance to do it uh no one was upset when they thought vince young could potentially be the first pick in the nfl draft go go do it go make your money go play your football at the next level um i wish vince would have stayed an extra year that's a whole nother podcast about how he could have avoided jeff fisher and had you know a nice probably six to seven pro bowl at least one super bowl career but you know we're just we're just a butterfly affecting now um but uh you know the business decision—you you, you do what's right for you, what's right for your family, which you think. I don't think either of those guys have ever been accused of anything but being thoughtful. Um, I'm sure this didn't come spur of the moment. They've—they've they've, um, contemplated. They've considered. They—they um, they have left legacies. You know, I think Caden Stern's one thing not to be lost in him was uh, his leadership during the kind of. Um, all United athletes, but specifically the black athletes, you know, asking for change from the university on certain issues. And he was a vocal and outspoken and leader from not just football players, but the United athletes. And that's a legacy. And, and, you know, he achieved some, some things and he passed that torch on. There's people who will pick it up. And, and like I said about Sam Cosme, he's first, first round grade, uh, offensive tackle who you know can, can play a lot of years in the NFL so both of those guys from the Longhorn Republic I know you absolutely and desperately crave it but you have our blessing and our uh, our most furtive hook'em boys uh, go go make us proud
0: we look forward to adding you to our Longhorns of the NFL update that we do in the Thursday show that's all we've got for you this week Kyle we've got one last thing to announce though before we sure do Sign out. So one, I want to thank everybody who, who entered the the drawing. We had um, a really a really good showing on, on all of yeah. our social media. So thank you all for, for the
1: the thousands of you who did that. We really absolutely appreciate it, 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 it I mean, we were overwhelmed.
0: Uh, so we, we, I, I did a, we did a screen share, a randomizer online. We dropped all the names of the people that, that hit the criteria. You, you shared the post on Facebook. Uh, you, you shared the post You retweeted the post on, um, Twitter and Instagram and all those things. And so, uh, I'm not going to do a drum roll, but Evan Jackson, who reached out to us, shared it on Facebook. You are the winner of a signed copy of Let the world. See you, Sam, uh, Sam Achos book. So reach out to us again on Facebook and we will get your information to send you your free copy. Congratulations. Thank you for participating. Thanks to everybody that did participate. Uh, we really appreciate everybody just engaging with us. I love to, to see the people that are out there, um, that want to be a part of what we got going on.
1: And like I said, congratulations first and foremost to Evan. Um, it, it uh, like I said, when I did the podcast with Sam and, and again, listen to it. If you haven't, one of the things I'm most proud of I've ever done in my career, just a great, great, interview sam called his first um his first game this week actually called the uh i don't let me get it wrong i believe it was rice game um but he, he called his first game of his career so he's moving on doing cool things um i'm excited for him to see him but if you heard that podcast you understand he is just sharp he's as quick as advertised um he's he's like that sadly, Kyler Murray commercial about anticipating and and answering Tim Tebow's questions before he can ask him. That's how I felt with Sam. He's just so sharp and so in the moment and so present and so fun and so interesting and so watching his career but to everyone that means that's a guy who wrote a good book And, and I've read the book um since i've done the podcast i finished it and it's amazing and it will make you ask some questions it will give you some laughs it'll give you some inter- interesting insights um you'll hear about his chipotle uh, gold card there's a lot of good things uh in there so everyone go out and check out uh the book it's it's christmas time coming up it's a great book for anyone in the family um and, and i think anyone can benefit from reading it but to evan congratulations you have an autographed copy now you can read the book for free
0: that's exciting for Evan. Thank you all so much for joining us again this week, Kyle. Where can good folks find you on the internet?
1: Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Kirby. You can also follow the Texas Pre at Texas Pre Gamer.
0: Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Gh Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email: LonghornRepublicPod at gmail dot com. Again, this Saturday we'll have a post game live stream. Hopefully, it's happier, but there are no guarantees after the Kansas State game because purple teams terrify us. So, but again. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, hook up.
1: Hook up. I hate Iowa State.